Welcome to the Surrounded by Valor podcast. My name is Mary. The definition of valor is courage in the face of danger. I try to surround myself with people who embody valor because they help me become better and hopefully you too. My intention with this podcast is to share thoughts, stories, and conversations that will inspire, educate, and enlighten all of us. Stories of regular people like you and me who've had extraordinary experiences. As the saying goes, nobody rides for free. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and thanks so much for joining us. Hey, welcome to season two, episode two of the Surrounded by Valor podcast. My name is Mary. I am a mom, a wife, a nurse, a triathlon coach, a triathlete, daughter, sister, friend, all those things. And I'm excited to be here with you today to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, which of course is swimming. I had the good fortune of being thrown in the pool when I was about three years old. And I've been a competitive swimmer in some way, shape, or form ever since. At the same time I was a swimmer, I was also a dancer, which made it kind of a unique combination. Um, I did swim in high school. I did take a break at the end of high school, and I swam a bit in college. Um, people seem to think that I was some Division uh, One swimmer, but I wasn't. <laughs> I swam until my sophomore year. I got sick and had to come home, and that's when I kind of jumped into triathlon. But swimming is my jam. I love it. Um, I've never gotten sick of it. And um, honest to God, it's the reason I'm not getting microblading just yet on my eyebrows because I don't think I could be out of the water for 10 days. (laughs) So, but I often get a lot of comments and questions from people about swimming, how to improve. Obviously in triathlon, it's probably the most technical thing um, to master. And it can be very frustrating for people who didn't grow up as a swimmer. Um, So I have a very holistic approach to swimming um, and not a very uh, technological approach to swimming. The first thing, and I always catch slack for saying this, but I really think that the key to improving, the biggest key to improving is the space between your ears. Um, I know swimming's frustrating. I get it. But when people come to the pool and they're like, oh, swimming's dumb. Oh, I hate swimming. Um, 100% of those cases, I don't see a huge improvement. You know, you'll see some, and that's not the make or break deal. And most people are just joking when they say that. But um, honest to God, mindset is probably your biggest key. With that being said, if you truly love swimming, it doesn't mean you're going to necessarily improve either. Um, But again, I take a very holistic approach to swimming. My swimming system is not for everybody. Um, I tend to be less technological about things. You'll never see me except for a race. And sometimes in races, I don't wear a watch or a garment or anything like that. That started in age group swimming because you'll notice that age group swimmers, Olympic swimmers, you know, in swimming, there's no nothing, you can't wear anything on your wrist. So that's how we grew up. And we grew up on pace clocks that were the analog clocks, not the digital clocks. So, um, you know, we, it was interesting how I was coached in, in doing intervals. I could do, you know, 50s on 34 seconds because on an analog clock, you just kind of memorize the pattern of where 34 hits as opposed to on a digital clock, you know, calculating. Um, so there was a lot of spatial awareness about the clock. And what swimming really taught me was to feel a pace. Um, I don't need a Garmin to tell me what I swam. I can remember it. But I, I can tell you that 
most swimmers that I hang with or have grown up with, if you gave us 10 100s on whatever interval, before we looked at the clock, we could tell you what our time was. Um, and like I could tell you within half a second what my time was purely by feel. And that's one of the things I feel like swimming really taught me is feel. We have easy, medium, hard paces. And, um, you know, because when you're swimming, you're not looking at a clock um, and you're going, you know, by people's reaction on the side of the pool and, you know, signals if you're a distance swimmer like I was from your counter. So you really um, learn to tune into yourself. At the same time, swimming, I always get uh, catch a lot of slack too because I'll lose count often in workouts. Um, that's why I swim with people who are faster than me when possible. <laughs> so they swim, they they count for me because during um, a workout, I'm not thinking about much. I just like to be as brainless as possible. So I wanted to give a couple, like four tips, maybe five to consider when aiming to improve your swim. And piggybacking on that, I like to be as brainless as possible in the water is, um, when you get in the water, try to turn off your brain. Um, even if you're working on technique, try to feel it instead of think through it. If that makes sense, feel the water, feel what feels right to you. And, um, I don't know. I think there's so much benefit in that. You will notice, you know, kind of piggybacking on that, that people who, you know, the, the top swimmers don't necessarily always have these like textbook perfect strokes. In fact, more often than not, they don't, especially if you're looking at an open water swimmer. An open water swimmer and a pool swimmer are going to swim a little bit differently. Um, and it's not always neat. For example, people tend to think, oh, I need to balance out my stroke, so I need to bilateral breathe. Depending on how you swim, just bilateral breathing does not automatically balance your stroke. Um, quite often, it imbalances your stroke, but people tend to get stuck on that concept. I like people to be able to, athletes to be able to bilateral breathe just so that they can breathe a different way if they're swimming in a situation where waves are coming at them. My preferred uh, breathing pattern is five strokes to the right, five strokes to the left. I'm not a big proponent or fan of breath control because we have, we're doing an aerobic sport and, um, oxygen's important. We're, we're not swimming fifties in races. We're swimming 700 meters up to two and a half miles, maybe more. So breathing every stroke is okay. It's something I've done my entire life. I breathe every stroke. I rarely, um, breathe every other stroke, but I will do five to the right, five to the left so that I can just have the ability to breathe on either side, or maybe I'm looking for a buoy or something. So don't get stuck in these hard, fast rules um, and get so married to these technical components that you're thinking through your swimming. Feel through it. Um, you might have just a different catch than someone who's a little bit faster. It doesn't mean you should do their catch. You should do your catch. You, you want to feel how you grab a handful of water. Um, with that being said, the next thing I would recommend is getting a, your stroke videoed. Um, and when you do that, you know, the mistake in getting a video analysis, and we used to do, we still do um, swim analysis videos, but what, the mistake that we used to make is we would really break down your stroke and we would really be like, here are all the things you can work on. And honestly, one thing at a time is what you should work on. And I would, depending on how much you swim, work on one thing for maybe three months, make it a habit, then move on to the next thing. So get your stroke videoed, 
you're not looking for perfection. You're looking for where, where are opportunities for improvement? Um, next, <laughs> I always catch slack for this one. I catch a lot of slack in my swimming attitudes. I, I would take off the watch and I've mentioned that before. Um, yeah, you might lose count and it's okay. Maybe, maybe you swim 22 lengths instead of 20. That's okay. At the end of the day, um, I often get like, well, how will I know how long I've swam? Well, look at the clock when you get in and look at the clock when you get done. Deduct five or 10 minutes for socialization or rest breaks and there you go. Um, but get out, get out of the habit of swimming with your watch <laughs> and let me know how that goes and if you could do it. I, my thing would be try to swim with a watch. <laughs> I prefer to race without a watch, um, but you know, to each our own. Um, in terms of how much should you swim, it really depends on where you're coming from. If you're a beginner swimmer or are you an advanced swimmer or an experienced swimmer, I should say, I favor frequency and consistency over volume. So if you, and that all depends on your life. I live close to my pool. Um, I could be in the water five days a week. Um, but because I'm a strong swimmer, I'm typically three. However, if you're if you can get to the pool five days a week for thirty minutes, I favor that over three days. However, you know, saying that, if you have little kids that need to get up and get on the bus, it's going to limit time. So you know, there's really no hard fast rule to um, to how how much should you swim is the best. You know, um, I like to again favor frequency and consistency. I have athletes who do really well swimming one day a week, but they swim one day a week every single week. That's important. Um, so it really depends. It's you know on 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 who you are, where your background is, on what the right swimming volume is for you. Um, my last one is use your dry land. Uh, I have a Vasa trainer, the old school one. I don't think you need the um, erg and all the wattages with that. We've gotten along with um, with the plain old Vasa trainer for decades. I love it. Um, it just gives me a little bit of extra, you know, work on my stroke. I also use stretch cords. I actually use those to warm up before I hop in the water. I bring them right to the pool, tie them to the ladder, do 30 or 40 pulls, and I'm good to go. Someone recently brought the argument to me like, oh, if I do the Vasa trainer, it doesn't, it doesn't have the rotation swimming is. Well, not everything is going to replicate everything you do in the sport exactly. Drills don't always replicate the movement or the rotation of cycling, of swimming, but we still do them just to try to, you know, compartmentalize one piece of the activity. So, you know, is it worth it to do pulls if you're not rotating? Absolutely. Um, you know, don't get so detailed in trying to always replicate the water on land. It's not going to happen. You're not in water. Those tools are valuable and they can only um, just help strengthen up your shoulder girdle and and just help. I've never seen dry land hurt swimming ever. So those are my big tips, I guess, to, you know, to summarize, let swimming be holistic for you. See if you can take off the watch, focus on one thing at a time, frequency and consistency over volume, depending on the athlete and utilize the stretch cords. See if you can get out of your head about swimming a little bit. Um, see if you can blank out. Maybe you swim by time rather than by yardage. If you're swimming on a team, um, be, see if you can be second <laughs> off the wall and just see if you can space out and enjoy. The water is such a beautiful thing. My favorite thing, there's two favorite parts of a workout for me. That first push off the wall, when you drop down, 
grab your streamline and push. Um, it's just such a good feeling. It's the world goes quiet, the water rushes over your body, and it's just awesome. My second favorite part is when you finish. I always do, I, I always cool down with fins. Um, and I love to just double arm backstroke the last length of my workout. It's just kind of such a nice way to close the workout. I just, it's just awesome. Um, which brings me to something else I forgot, just a couple of suggestions. In, I swam for a really great local coach named Mike Murray, and he was he coached our um, master's team for a little bit. And um, one of the things he taught me was warm up with fins. And I also cool down with fins because that really helps to warm up the shoulders. And man, did that make a big difference. So what if you're doing your yards a little bit faster? Big deal. It's okay. Um, fins also force me, I'm a poor kicker, to kick. So don't hesitate. I like just a good pair of regular standard length fins, nothing fancy. I do have like a shorter pair to help me with my kick because I am a weak kicker. Um, and the other thing I was thinking of as I was closing there was be careful about comparing your open water swim times to your pool water swim times. Why? When you're doing a 100 in the pool, you're pushing off of the wall three times, never during your swim, during your length, will you ever travel as fast as when you're pushing off the wall? You don't have a wall in open water swimming, um, not even to start. Most times, sometimes you do actually, I'll take that back. So, and also the dynamics of open water, even if it's totally flat, are going to be different. You know, water can be turbulent also. So be careful when comparing open water times to pool times, they're going to be different. Another reason to ditch the water, the garment in the pool, right? So to close again, I would recommend making it holistic. See if you can let go of the Garmin. Um, frequency consistency. Work on one piece of your stroke at a time. Utilize your dry land. And give yourself a chance to enjoy the magic of swimming. And drop me a note if you have any questions. Thanks again so much for listening. And maybe we'll have more swim talk coming up next week. Talk to you soon.